The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. That had been said through, the, through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way to the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. On those dwelling in the land overshadowed by death, light has arisen. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. Casting a net into the sea, they were fishermen. He said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. And once they left their nets and followed him. He walked along from there and saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, bending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. He went around all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness among the people. The word of the Lord. Today, like I mentioned at the beginning, is the Sunday of the Word of God. And Pope Francis instituted it just, uh, just last year, September 30th, um, on the 1600 anniversary um, of St. Jerome's death. Um, so St. Jerome died in 1419, and St. Jerome is, is a doctor of the church, and also one of the preeminent scholars of Scripture. He, in fact, spent uh, the, a majority, a large part of his life in Bethlehem studying the Scriptures and, and ended up uh, translated the gospel that was written in Greek. And people stopped speaking Greek and were speaking Latin. And so Latin was the vernacular, we say, the language that was spoken, right? And so the church, the Pope, uh, St. Augustine and the Pope, had St. Jerome translate the scripture from Greek into Latin, into the Vulgate. And that allowed the scriptures to be once again uh, spoken in the native tongue. Um, but there's, there's more to it than just the work that St. Jerome did. He also lived scripture. He was a very intelligent man. Uh, he knew and loved languages. And one of the things that he loved in Latin was uh, Cicero. Cicero uh, wrote many poems, many uh, stories, and he had a dream one night um, that Jesus came to him and said, you know, are you a, are you a disciple of, of me or of Cicero? He spent so much time on Cicero uh, that it was, you know, cutting into his time with Christ. And, and Christ challenged him on that. And he ended up, uh, you know, uh, being more convicted to read Scripture more. And there's a beautiful line that comes from him that says, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Now, we don't always experience that, right? We know who Jesus is. We, we know the person, right? We, we know what a crucifix looks like. We've been to Mass. So we know who Jesus is. 
But maybe we don't know Scripture, right? But, but we sort of know Scripture. As Catholics, we hear Scripture all the time at Mass, right? And we go through a large part of the Bible. In fact, sometimes we hear too much Scripture and we can't even remember what we just heard, right? I mean, how many of you remember what actually was the first reading, right? I mean, we hear it, but we don't always hear it. It doesn't always strike. So we still, even though that we hear Scripture, we sometimes still have ignorance of Scripture and ignorance, ultimately, of Christ, of who He truly was. Because if we want to know who Jesus is, who He was, uh, and who He continues to be, we want to know Scripture. And not just hear it once a week, but hear it every single day. Ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Now, uh, one of the beautiful things that we have is an opportunity here. You know, as St. Paul is kind of speaking in, in the second reading about having no division among ourselves, this is one of the greatest gifts, this Scripture, that unites us as Christians. There are many different theological reasons why we're divided um, But Scripture brings us together, and I think it's one of the greatest gifts that our Protestant brothers and sisters give to us Catholics, is the love of Scripture, right? That I I just spent uh, two weeks at Navy training with other guys, uh, who other chaplain candidates who are considering uh, becoming Navy chaplains, and they were all uh, non-Catholic. And what I love interacting with Protestant uh, pastors and ministers is their love and their knowledge of Scripture. That it brings out in everything that they speak. That it just comes up in the way that they approach problems. They bring up scripture. And we ourselves as Catholics don't have an out to say, well, we've got other stuff. So we don't need to read the Bible. No, no, no. We need to read the Bible. And we need to know scripture just as well as our Protestant brothers and sisters. Because it's so incredibly important. And it helps us to live out our Catholic faith. It's not that we just have scripture, right? I, I would say that's one of the difficulties, but we also have so many other gifts. We have, we have Mary, the rosary, right? Which all comes from scripture. We have the Eucharist, which comes from scripture, right? Comes from tradition, but it is rooted in scripture. And the word of God is within scripture, but the word of God is also living in the Eucharist, right? As if, and if we want to be able to meditate on the word of God in scripture, we also want to meditate on the Eucharist. In the Eucharist, we should be drawn to Scripture, right? The two are complement each other and should draw us to each other in a fuller participation and understanding of who Christ is in our lives today. Now, there are many different ways to read Scripture. One is just to read it, right? Uh, we can just sit down and read it and and, and, and that's good. We can try to read it from, from cover to cover. I would suggest not trying to do that. Uh, the first book of the Bible, Genesis, is pretty exciting. And then after you hit that, it gets pretty boring. Um, it gets pretty difficult. You're going through Exodus and it feels like 40 years in the desert. Um, so I would suggest if you want to read Scripture, although we need to be aware of that and we, and we do get parts of that. Um, We want to read Isaiah. We want to read these other Old Testament, which we might not necessarily completely understand when we first read it. I would suggest always focusing on the Gospels, which is what we do in Mass, right? The Gospel has a preeminence in Scriptures. And even within Mass, we see that where we stand up during the Gospel. 
Because the gospel is so important. And so I would say if we want one part of the Bible to focus on, that is pretty easy to understand. We want to go to the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just start reading through and say, what, who is Jesus, right? What is he doing? What does he say? Who is he, right? And that's where we really encounter Christ in a beautiful way. Now we can, again, just read it and, and, and speak about it kind of like as a story, of something that happened in the past. And once we read it through, we say, well, I, I read the story. I know it. I'm good. But that's not what Scripture is. It's not a storybook of the past. But it is the living Word of God that wants to speak to you every single time that you read it. And that you can't know Scripture well enough. You can't know Scripture well enough. You can't say, oh yeah, I know that part of, of, of Scripture, so now I can check out. I already know it. I'm good. I know who that is. Right? No. Jesus wants to continue to speak to you. God wants to continue to pour out His Holy Spirit on you through the living Word of God. And perhaps the same Scripture that spoke to you and you saw something you know, the first time that you read it and something different the second time, there's so many different ways that God wants to speak to you in that Scripture. And so I encourage you to never uh, step away or never to say, oh yeah, I know it enough. But instead to continue to encounter it. There's a few different ways to be able to do that. One way is to read the daily readings. So every single day out of the year, uh, there are specific readings that your church gives us. And there are certain apps out there or different books that you can get to be able to have the daily readings. Or you can you know, get a sheet of paper that has them and then you can look them up in your own Bible. Uh, but that's one way to get a good rounded uh, experience of Scripture. You can also, maybe, uh, maybe just a simpler way would be to just focus on the Sunday readings. So on Monday, you read the, the readings for next Sunday, right? Prepare yourself. And then on Tuesday, you do it again. And on Wednesday, you do it again. And on Thursday, you do it again. And on Friday, you do it again. And by Friday, it shouldn't be, oh yeah, I know this already. But it should be then when you're finally able to understand it, right? Finally able to, to, to be able to soak in a little bit more and to be able to understand a little bit deeper of what God desires for you. In that, I encourage all of you to, to set up, you know, we all have hopefully prayer uh, times, uh, prayer routines, but to, to make scripture a part of that prayer routine by uh, devotionals and other readings are very good, but they don't replace scripture. Okay, they don't replace the gospels. One of the other ways to pray that I'd like to pray with you right now is Lexio Divina. Uh, Lexio, it can be said either Lexio or Lectio. It's kind of spelt lex, Lectio, L-E-C-T-I-O. I prefer saying it Lexio, Lexio Divina, which means uh, divine reading. And what that reading is, it's a little bit different than a storybook, right? Uh, reading a storybook and just getting the information. Lexio Divina is reading, uh, asking the Holy Spirit and soaking in it, right? And allowing God uh, to be able to speak in it. And so it has four different parts. Lexio Divina has four different parts. And you can do this in three minutes, or you can do this in a half an hour, or an hour, right? And again, God isn't going to be exhausted in saying, well, I've already told you everything from the Scripture, right? I don't have anything else to tell you. No, there's always more that He wants you to go. You can't know Scripture too well. You can't read it too much. Um, and so Lexio Divina has four different parts. First is just to read it. 
and to kind of ask the question, what does the text say, right? What do I know uh, about the context? What do I know about Jesus? What, it, what, what is the context? What does the text say? That's the first. It's just a very blanket look at it. The second is to meditate on it. And this asks, what does the text say to me? And so you kind of start to reflect it and say, well, maybe you can imagine yourself seeing it. Maybe you can imagine yourself in the different places. You kind of say, well, what sticks out to you, right? Are there a specific word, a specific phrase? Maybe there's a specific question that you have. What does it say to me? Third is to pray. Now, this changes the focus from what does it say to me to what do I want to say to God, right? Prayer isn't uh, just talking to a self. It's talking with somebody else. And so when we pray, we start to speak about the text that God has given us, and we start to, to bring it to God and talk to Him about it. And fourth is to contemplate. And this is probably the most difficult and the one that we probably do less, which is listening. Listening, being attentive to what God has to say to us about what the text, the scripture has spoken to us. And so I'd like to just do a a short three-minute lexio. I'm going to read the scripture twice, kind of at the beginning. And if you'd like to follow along, you can uh, open up your 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 books, uh, which have the gospel. I'm going to read the second half of the gospel. And we're going to read that right away, right away at the beginning when we read it. Second, when we meditate. And then we're just going to pray and contemplate in silence. Okay? Uh, and I'll kind of lead you along in those steps. And so why don't we begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. First we read. As he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. He said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. He walked along from there and saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. He went around all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness among the people. So, Lord, we just read it and we say, what does this text say? What's the context? What do we see? What's happening? Next, we meditate, we ponder. So we're going to ask, what does this text say to me? Maybe what sticks out? What is there a specific phrase, a specific word, a specific situation, a question that we have, uh, an understanding, maybe something in the text that we haven't seen before? What does this text say to me? As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw his two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net by the sea, into the sea. They were fishermen. He said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. And once they left their nets and followed him. He walked along from there and saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. He went around all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness among the people. So once again, we just, we just ponder, what does this say to me? 
Again, what sticks out? What kind of thing makes us uncomfortable or maybe gives us consolation? What relates to me? Next, we pray. And so we're going to say what we're going to tell God. Maybe what do we want to tell God about this text? Maybe, again, a question. Maybe it's something that we're uncomfortable with. Maybe it's something that we just want to share in the joy. Uh, Share something with him about this text. About what he's doing, what he did 2,000 years ago, and what he's doing today. And so we pray and we, we talk with Jesus about this. Lastly, we contemplate, and so we take a moment we, to listen, to be attentive to what God might have to say to us. We quiet our minds and we open ourselves up to the eternal word of God that continually desires us. And so we sit in silence and listen. What does God want to say to me? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God continues to want to speak to us. May we allow one of the greatest gifts that he's given us, Scripture, the Word of God, to continue to allow him to speak to us in our life.